Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning and let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, what's going on? The We can just hop right into it. We have uh, Kenny. What up? What up? Not on Twitter anymore, you know. Um, yeah, good, unfortunately. Good for you. Good. For I miss you. him on uh, Twitter. I, I feel like we need him back. <laughs> no, we're not. We, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. And we have we, we have Vita, of course. Hey, what's up? Yeah, and this is this is T. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been um, pulling back on Twitter myself, except when I want to like uh, promote the show. So I actually did one tweet today about um, Ed Buck because I want to do a live stream about it later. So I just I just mentioned it. But yo, it's it's funny. I put something about Ed Buck, and I was talking about like why is everybody talking about the baby? You know, but uh, this whole Ed Buck trial just wrapped. Ed Buck, for people who don't know, is like the gay serial killer. Oh yeah, I didn't even know he was on trial. He's on. He was on yeah, trial. Yeah, he's on, on trial. The, oh, the this is how bad that. the coverage was. Like you, they didn't even let you forget about R. Kelly or Bill Cosby. That was on the news daily. This Ed Buck thing, I've only seen a couple people mention it, or it was mentioned in passing. Wow. So did he get found not guilty or guilty? No, no, no. He got found guilty. He got no reporting. Yeah, he got convicted. What? No reporting. It wrapped up in everything. You know, it's funny. I I tweeted today. You know, I um. I wait, wait, wait. What did he get found guilty of? Uh, let me tell you right now. It's a great. That's a great question. I'm trying to uh, contact the lady who was the only one covering it in in California. Her, oh, her Jasmine uh, Canick. Yeah, Jasmine Canick. I'm trying to. Uh, she agreed to come on before, but then she kind of uh, disappeared on me. She was the only one covering it, Jasmine Canick, and I have to give her props because I hadn't seen anyone that dedicated to that trial at all. Because yeah, I, I, you would think know why like too. that would be a bigger trial because it's it's a celebrity trial who did something fucking insane. On top of that, people who aren't even in in entertainment or aren't celebrities will get better coverage than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. They could yep. just be a regular serial killer without this. Fame, this dude's a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and a big donor to a lot of. Uh, but, you know, someone made a really good point to me. Uh, you know, like we always talk about how, you know, the black blue checks who are of the LGBTQ plus persuasion don't really care because it's a white person and it's a Democrat. And, you know, it's not like a, a straight black man. So it's not as safe a target and everything. But uh, a black a black gay friend of mine, uh, we were talking about this thing, you know, and he was frustrated about it, too. But he made a pretty good point. Uh, he said, you're thinking of that angle, but there's also this angle. And I know this because I'm friends with a lot of these type of people. Ed Buck's victims aren't like people who work for BuzzFeed or New York Times. No, they were or, just random. They were just random black men. Yeah, they were, they were, they were random black men and they were poor and they were, um, you know, like, he's like, they're black and they're gay, but they're the kind of black and gay people. They're expendable. Certain, yeah, yeah. Certain socioeconomic status yeah. that these other black gay people are kind of ashamed of or, yes. you know, yes. find them yes. find them ghetto, poor. Yes. Because those okay. those brothers, those brothers who were drugged and, you know, all the things that happened to them with Ed Buck, that's a tragedy. You know what I mean? But they can't get any clout. 
There's no clout behind that. You know, it would have been better off if he just killed some straight black men. They wouldn't have cared. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how these people think. Like, these people are, people are demons, you know? And it's, and it's like, they, they if they can't get any clout off of the situation, they just don't care. Because I was thinking, like, I was thinking that they didn't care because... One, the men, the men were black. They were uh, gay, but they weren't anybody. They were kind of like anonymous. They weren't on social media. Like if this was if one of them had this crazy Twitter account, they probably would have been, you know, campaigning and, and, you know, supporting this person. But these were just really random black people. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, you have to be a certain type of black person to get any type of um, coverage or, you know, information out there if something happens to you, which is sickening. And if we're keeping it real, heterosexual or homosexual or anything else, they're black men. They're black, People period. People don't yeah. give a fuck about... But I'm, I'm saying men in particular. Yeah. They're black men, so people don't give a fuck. So nobody else is going to raise a stink about it. You right. get what I'm Absolutely saying? Absolutely not. Yeah. Because black men in themselves are, are expendable. But, so, so, so that goes to show... I don't want to cut you off, Vita, but that just goes to show that really at the end of the day... It kind of kills that argument about trying to put your sexuality over your race because these racists don't give a damn. They don't care. You know what I'm saying? They don't care if you gay or straight, you black, and they know you're expendable. They know that nobody's going to come looking for you. If we all came up missing, they would, you know, they always come out with these documentaries. Uh, what was that one called about um, the, what was it, um, where, where, where our in, girls are in, missing in or open- something? Oh, no, forget it. I'm thinking of a different one. The girls are missing because of the mercenaries over in Africa. What was the name of that? It was, oh, Boko uh, Haram. Oh, oh, yeah, Coney. Yeah, Coney yeah, 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 2020 or whatever. Yeah, there, there oh, you yeah. go. Yeah, that was that. There was a, a big sting to do about that because they felt like they can get some clout off that. That's international fame if you can cover that story. But these are just some brothers in L.A. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and, that, and that guy got busted for like uh, running around naked, beating his meat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody oh, yeah, said but- he was... Somebody said he was sharing his invisible children wow. <laughs> when he when he ran out and was beating his meat. Wow. I remember that. That whole the guy who started the whole Coney thousand and whatever it was. He was running around butt naked. I remember that. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think I think um, you know, the fact that it didn't get any coverage and didn't get much conversation from the very people who claim to always give a fuck about these you know, um, certain populations or certain groups. Oh, you claim you care about black people. You claim you care about black men. You can't. You claim you care about gay black men, but clearly you don't. As long as the person who's a perpetrator is a white male who supports the Democrats. Also, and also that it's not your class of uh, gay black men. Like, like right. if he took, if he took, if he took out like you know uh, somebody who had a blue check and worked for like BuzzFeed or something, you know, they would have definitely like raised a. Uh, stink because I think a lot of times um, when it comes to class, a lot of black people see things happen to other black people, even taking sexuality out of it, and they think, "Oh, that's not me." You know, that's not or, me. Exactly. Not talking about yeah. me. I mean, that's that's what the heart of the whole um, black people versus niggas joke and the appeal of that was back in the two thousands when Chris Rock made it. It was like, "Hey, it's safe to make fun of these type of black people because they're." they're niggas and we're black people and whatever. And then at some point, a lot of people finally started realizing, but not enough. Like, wait a minute. The joke is that, you know, we're all niggas at the end of the day. Exactly. (laughs) The joke is that they let us fool ourselves into thinking that they're making these distinctions, you know, to flatter us. And then when the time comes, they hit us with the end bomb anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that same impulse is what's happening in there with these Ed Buck people. And, you know, one thing I'll give credit on, people were giving... Uh, Mark Lamont Hill a hard time for the like why is it you never want to shut up about Cosby but this Ed Buck thing you're never talking about and right. 
What Mark Lamont Hill did, even though people didn't give him much credit for it, but Mark Lamont Hill was like, oh, we talk about Ed Buck all the time. And then they searched and his BNC thing covered Ed Buck once and it wasn't even him. It was someone else. And then later that week, he had an Ed Buck story where he himself covered it. And everyone's like, you just did this because we held your feet to the fire for like a whole day. Like on Twitter for like a couple of days, they just kept getting on him about it. And he was- yeah, he didn't um, care. He didn't care about the story either. He's, he's only, he's a sensationalist. That's what he is now. Yeah, and also, but he also really cares what other people think about him. I know he does in that in that crowd. Oh, Whereas the other super ones, cares. Yeah, when we get mad at them, the other people they take it as a badge of honor. Like, fuck you, we're still not talking about Ed Buck. You eat a dick, you know. But right, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I noticed with him, he, uh, you know, he wants to kind of like please everybody. So, but the problem, I, so he, but yeah. the problem with that though, like, I don't even have an issue with him not doing it, getting checked, and then changing it. It's the fact that he tried to act like he was in the right and he had been doing it. It would be yes. funny if he said, you know what, y'all right, I haven't covered it as much. And then he actually owned up to it and did it. I think he would get a lot more respect. So exactly having to arguing with people on Twitter about it first <laughs> and then doing it. It was where I was like, okay, that's that makes it so insincere. And I agree with Kenny. It pretty much just shows that you don't actually care about it either. You don't even care about covering the news accurately. You just don't want to be embarrassed. You just want things exactly. Exactly. You just want those clicks. And you know about one thing about Mark Lamont Hill, this is how you know he's fake. Because he really does care about what people think about the things that he say and his image. That's how you yeah. know he's fake. Because that, he, if he's really living that life, he wouldn't give a damn. That's the thing. That's that's one thing you can't care about. You know what I mean? Especially if you're going to be a person who's, who has strong opinions or is going to be vocal about certain things. Especially things that you deem to be very important and need to be discussed. You can't be afraid of the backlash. Right. Either you stand in it. Or you own up to your fuck up. There's no right. in between, in my opinion. But but it's easy to end up caring when you know you're doing something that is of uh, low character. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's easy to not care what people think when you know in your heart, I stand by what I'm doing. I know it's the right thing. If you know, just because like because like for example, if it was like something that he was knowing was good character to do he would totally be like you know f y'all i think i think he cares oh, yeah. because i think he cares because he knows deep down uh these people are right so to a certain degree it's a bad thing but to a certain degree i'm like at least on some level he cares about hypocrisy what's fascinating to me is these other people like that guy um saeed jones was one example and there's another guy ira madison who even when you called him out they'll still be like you know being defiant and it's like is it better that they just don't care about being hypocrites like they're like hey we're not even gonna pretend that we're not hypocrites you know or is it is it worse like i i don't know what's i don't know what's worse out of the two i'd rather, like, I'd rather you just let me so, know you i'd rather know that you're a hypocrite because then i can just get away from you don't have to ever you know what I'm saying? i know i know what box to put you in i hate to say it like that because people can change and they can come do an about face but those people never do so i would rather them just be who they are and stick to their base because that's what they do. They do. The, I call it the Donald Trump. They speak to their base hard. You know what I'm saying? When you think they're talking about you, they are. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no faking, no fronting. You know what I'm saying? They con and with the contradictions and the lies. I rather I would just rather you just be on that. Be on that. Then it is what it is. Stand in the pain. See, this is my thing though. Like even trying to say which is better, which is worse. I'm gonna be real with you. Fuck both them niggas. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. That's yeah. kind of how I am because I don't think either one is better or worse. They both just do the same shit in their lane, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. one's willing to stick with it, but it's still it's still holding up the bullshit. 
and it's about maintaining your image and your brand. It's the same shit on the other end, except I'm going to pretend like I give a fuck so I can cover up my hypocrisy. But right. it's all this, but it's neither one to me is advantageous to our community as far as bringing forth. Oh, it's a given that neither, neither right? is good. Oh, it's no, like, I, I know it's, it's like a COVID. given, but I'm just saying I can't even, I'm saying yeah. I just can't even measure it because there's just, yeah. they're both such problematic entities in black media as far as I'm concerned that it doesn't really matter. They're both ish. They're both problematic because they're not actually having the conversations that need to be had and they're not covering the stories that need to be covered. That's the problem. It doesn't matter how they do it or they're covering you know what I'm the, saying? They only cover it to, to support their agenda, they, whatever that is. Exactly. The, the insincerity of it all. That's yeah. really the problem. Yeah. This this thing is like uh, a conversation like having, uh, why would you rather have like COVID versus Ebola and you're just right. trying to <laughs> figure out like what's the, if I had to get one, like, yeah, if I gotta choose one, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly that, that, what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like both of them are gonna fuck you up. You know, it's just like if I had to have one, like, like why would I? Why would I rather have? You know, it's crazy. I was, I was tweeting about it and stuff, and I was like saying, I'm only gonna tweet if it's something that we're gonna talk about on the show or something, or as relates to the show to plugging it. So I figured I want to stream about this at some point. So I'm gonna do a little thread, and at the end of the thread, when the show comes out, I'll just you know add a link to the episode. You know, so I tweeted about it. Today, I was talking about how it all comes down to, at the end of the day, these people are controlled opposition. So, uh, and by controlled opposition, for the name makes it obvious what it is. For, for people at home who maybe don't know what controlled opposition is, it just, and I apologize for explaining something people might find obvious, but it just basically means that uh, you're chosen by the powers that be to be the opposition that they would prefer to deal with. So, it's like opposition is scare quotes. You're not really opposing anything you're just what they're like okay right if we're gonna have to have you're, throw, you're throwing sense. interference you're pretty much throwing yeah, interference. Yeah. it's like it's like having a it's like you're watching a football game and some guy just gets on the field and starts streaking and running like where the fuck that guy come from yeah they're gonna get him out the way and he's not a threat to anybody but he ran interference you never know yeah it, it would be like that but even worse if the nfl planted him themselves you know? exactly <laughs> right yeah that's it that, that's it's your example but if the nfl was like you know what people say this game is too boring let's put in some fake quarter, outrage in there billy down <laughs> yeah and they would act oh, like so we're outraged like a, by it it's like a like a scarecrow essentially yeah, oh, yeah, like good, a scarecrow. Good one. yeah 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 great yeah. Like, great analogy yeah so it's like it's there to make you to, you know to act you're basically attacking something that's not really the problem there, right? right? That's not really the issue, but you're going to attack it anyway. So it's oh, what it, that's actually a book. Um, I think the guy's name is Barry Glasner, and it's called um, it's about I think it's, I want to say it's called Misdirection or something like that. But it's a, basically about how media and news does that, where they have you focused on like killer bees while they're you know disenfranchising communities all across America, <laughs> right? Um, uh, um, I noticed he he offered he authored nine books. One of them is Culture of Fear. Does that seem like the right one? Or is... yes, yes, that's the one. Yeah, I've heard um, I've heard I've been to a couple of his lectures too, and it's actually pretty fascinating stuff that he brings forward. Um, forth because there was a lot of misdirection happening in the '90s, especially when they were locking everybody up and banging everybody's mm. houses in and kicking everybody's doors in right before the um crime bill came out they actually over represented uh the crime in the news and in the media mm. so even people outside of the communities were like oh is this is what's happening we have to vote against this right now 
you know, or vote for this right now or support these politicians right now. And that's kind of... Fascinating, but typical, sadly. Yeah. No, he, but he explains exactly in detail how that all happens. Um, but yeah. So it's it's sort of the same thing. And controlled opposition kind of sounds like that. You, you know what's funny in this tweet? One of the things I said in the thread, I was like, yo, the thing that's annoying about these people is because they have no real consistent values that they're willing to be honest about. I think they do have consistent values, but not that they're willing to say out loud. The consistent value is that they hate the black community and to the extent that it is loyal to straight black men, but they hate, you know, straight black men um, in particular. They don't really like uh, women either, if, especially if the women are deemed to not want to throw straight black men under the bus for hating stuff. So they end up giving these reasons that if you examine them for like 10 seconds, honestly, they have no consistency and make no sense. Like they'll be like, uh, one of the popular ones is, oh, uh, we don't care about the Ed Buck thing because that's an aberration. But the uh, black homophobia is something we have to deal with every day. I'm like, you're not going to tell me that uh, white gay racism is an aberration. Like, and particularly the exploiting of non-white, the exploiting of non-white boys by uh, white predators of any orientation, heterosexual or homosexual. Like the exploitation of poor non-white people, that is not some aberration or rare problem. And also like, Compare, I mean, if you look at our throwaway people uh, three-part episode, if you go back in the archives, we did a whole bunch on, uh, you know, and but also they get the power to get away with it in a way that uh, black homophobes, you know, don't. Like, look how long freaking, not just Ed Buck, but people like Jeffrey Dahmer and stuff, the cops delivered a non-white <laughs> drug, drugged Asian boy back to Jeffrey Dahmer so he can kill him. Uh, which is a crazy thing. Yeah, that that's fact. Wow. That's, that's true. I remember reading about that. Mm-hmm. Wow, I did not know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that yeah we sick. covered it. We covered it in the throwaway people uh, three parter, uh, particularly part three. We talked about it, but yeah, there was a lot. Not of only stuff. that, Jeffrey Dahmer was weirdly attracted to black men in a really weird kind of way. He killed a lot of black yep. men. He killed a lot of black men. I think almost all his victims were non-white. He had some yeah. Asians in there. He had some Asians. The, the kid, in there the too. kid that they, the police officer brought back to Jeffrey Dahmer. I think he was Asian. And, yeah, yeah. And, he was some kind of, uh, I think, South Asian. And yeah. that, not, not South Asian. Beating the means retire or Hmong. One of those. Yeah, things. yeah. And Sorry, so, Vita, you were saying something. Yeah, I was gonna say also, and to talk about the pervasiveness of this, a lot of these white men literally go to other countries specifically to exploit. Yeah, exploit, oh, we we've talked about that. Yeah, oh my men. god. Um, and a lot of this happens in Africa and Asia. Um, oh, Southeast yeah. Asia specifically, Thailand, yeah, so, Vietnam, specifically that happens right, big exactly. time. Right, um, exactly. Latin so, America too. And this the, is like, the younger, a, the you're, right, you're absolutely right. Because I was actually reading about things going on in Brazil and South America. Um, so yeah, so this is actually a very pervasive thing. This isn't like a one-off thing of rich white men doing this, creating systems for it and getting away with it. I remember years ago, I wish I could remember the exact story, but there was like a whole pedophile ring where they were picking up boys from all over the world and they were taking them to Britain. And mm-hmm. it was all uh, these like Britain politicians and rich people and all this stuff that were like, I think at one point they were even putting boys in cages and like literally sexually assaulting them. So this is like a real pervasive thing so to say it, this is like a one-off or this is just one story there's, there's, one a, there's a documentary called conspiracy of silence and it's basically about this place called boys town in nebraska and this is real this is all real mm-hmm. and a lot of politicians were involved with the sexual assault drugs and these boys these are all underage boys and majority if not all of them were white boys 
They don't discriminate when it comes to rape, uh, uh, sexual assault, pedophilia. They don't discriminate yeah. when it comes to race. Now, there are those weirdos that's, you know, specifically want black or, you know, Asian, whatever. But that Conspiracy of Silence documentary opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And it's an old documentary. Yeah, Came out I was, around 1999, 2000. Something. I was just listening to a podcast. It's on, um, reason why I recommend it is because I've worked in youth camps and youth programs and working with kids who've been, you know, they call them troubled, troubled youth and so forth. Oh, yeah. Those kids get exploited and take advantage of more than any other group. And because there's no, they don't have a say and nobody believes them. And in Camp Hell, it was literally a youth camp. Um, and they ended up, it ended up being like a, a major uh, chain, like across cities, right? Um, they even, it was a boys camp initially, then it became, later they created the girls camp uh, called Camp Anawaki. And it was founded by this uh, white guy who was a psychologist, and he was a pedophile. He founded it like in the 1940s. The place lasted for like 30, 40 years. And they, he was basically selling off these boys to be exploited um, by various politicians and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and the, the, the stories were horrific. The camp counselors themselves were abusing the kids. The therapists were abusing the kids. If the kids tried to say something, they would get abused more or get, you know, um, they try to tell their parents and the parents that the, the camp will convince the parents that the kids just lie so they don't have to go through the program. We're going to whip these kids into shape and they don't want to get whipped into shape. Basically, all this like horrific stuff took them to brothels, literally mm. took them to brothels, um, exploited them there, gave them their first sexual experiences with them or at brothels, fucking these boys up. And this is like, I forgot what area this is, in the Midwest somewhere. But this is the, so. This is very pervasive. This is not just some one-off thing. The mm, here's another one, Sandusky. Yeah, Sandusky. Yeah, it's a big yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Big yep. yep. Yeah. So they do it abroad, and they do it here too. They um, do it in places you, where they they find the most vulnerable boys or girls, mm-hmm. the most vulnerable, and anytime they're inside of a camp or something like that, they can hide it in these exactly. camps. Exactly. And they get yep, kids who yep. they know people aren't going to believe. Yeah. And kids that know that are vulnerable and, and really want to trust someone. Throwaway people. That's why we call the episode throwaway people. For people who are curious, it was 2018. I think it was episodes 85 to 87. But 87 is where we like gave like the most examples. Yeah. But I mean, that all just goes to show like this bullshit about oh, black homophobia, we have to deal with that every day. But, you know, Ed Buck is an anomaly. Like, people are actually saying that. But being drugged and sexually exploited is not, you know what I mean? That's not something that you, that's a a one-off. That's so sick. Yeah, yeah. And and, and also, like, it's something that they can get away with more. Like, uh, the baby says something and they're canceling his career left and right. Like, Ed Buck and Sandusky uh, run amok and it takes a long time to, so you, you can't even compare the two, just in terms of, like, uh, power and punching up and and all this stuff and it's uh but that's why i'm saying in some ways as bad as mark lamont hill is you know i think these people even though it's like like i said ebola versus uh covid is like at least mark hill knows better than to say something like that like these people will straight up say i saw people tweet like yo no this is an anomaly it's like the uh you know but the black homophobia isn't you know and i'm like that's that's bullshit that's so dangerous for you to say that. I know I can't trust you at all with anything because you're just no, because they don't care. You're straight they, up liar. Just show you that, yeah, you're, yeah, they just lie. They don't care. They'll yeah, say anything yeah. that's going to benefit them. Whatever their agenda is on Twitter that day, that's what they're going to say and that's what they're going to do until it happens to them. I mean, yep, in their yep. brains, black men getting killed, unarmed black men being killed by the police is an anomaly. Regardless of how many years we've seen it, going all the way back to the pretty much. Bef- way before the Watts riots, before any of that, that 
that's an anomaly to them because they can't get no clout off that and it doesn't benefit or hurt them. It doesn't matter. These are faceless people. It does not matter to them. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't get them clout, doesn't get them access. So no. they don't care. The other thing that, you know, I was uh being told a lot too was that, you know, um that's the white community's problems. We don't care about that. That's for them to police. It's uh we care about what black people do. But I'm like, first that makes no sense because it's not like he's a white person attacking other white people. He's a white person attacking black people and targeting yeah. black people. So it's not a white community problem. It's a black community problem. Like it's a utterly stupid thing to say. Right. And then the second thing is it's also a lie because you guys get mad at what white people do all the time. If they're not giving exactly. you jobs, if they're not letting you work in a writer's room, if they copy your hairstyle. Team. Yeah, the copy of your hairstyle, it bothers you. The copy of your TikTok dance, it bothers you. Uh, who they date bothers you. you T is not exaggerating. Like, they really was talking about canceling. We need to get off TikTok because they're appropriating black dance. I was like, what? Yeah, you care about what white people do all the time. Yeah. Even if they're not doing it with black people. Even if they're just doing something by themselves, you get mad that they didn't include you. Like, yes. It's like, uh, why didn't you have a show with us? Why didn't you include... Uh, black characters in this white show. Why didn't Lena oh, Dunham oh, I remember, have I more black T, people and girls? And it's like, what T, do you want to be T on? He brought this to my attention when he was showing us how this was a couple of years ago. How a lot of these people they don't want to create their own shows. They want the white, the black version of a white show. So they'll ask for uh, Sex in the City, a black version, instead of creating their own show or the, uh, uh, a black version of Friends. Even though we've already had that, it's called Living Single, and they stole that whole idea and created Friends. They don't know that. Right. So they want the black version of everything that's white. And that, yeah, that's and, a good point too, Kenny. Mm -hmm. The fact that they want the black version of things that are white that were already black. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, and, and that's the second in that's the second prize. The first prize is to be included as a token or a mascot on the white thing. You know, that's the first thing. But the second thing is what Kenny said. If they can't get that, then they want a black version of a white thing, even if it's something that black people created first, but they didn't care about it until white people felt it was worth uh, ripping off. But even then they won't say, Hey, why don't we have a reboot of a living single? No, we don't want to do a reboot of a living single. We want the black version of friends. Yes. They don't care about just like lately. They don't care about any of these. And I don't want to branch because off, but they, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Vita. They still think white ice is cooler. That's yes. just the reality of the situation. Because even the even these black shows, you know, they start getting uh, major publicity because they end up on Netflix or whatever. And then they start tearing down those shows. But then you'll ask for the white version of the of a white show that ripped off those black shows. Yo, I used to think that, that they think the white ice is cooler. But now I think even if the white ice is just melted, they'll pretend they'll pretend it's cooler they lick it up you'll give you'll give them an ice tray with melted ice in it and they'll just turn the ice tray upside down just dropping water into the glass and it's like oh this is really cooling down my drink and it's right, like there's some black right. actual ice right here it's actual ice but it says you want black it? on the ice tray so they don't yeah exactly it's like you know the ice is melted right oh that's what they call warm ice you right. I guess you wouldn't know <laughs> Right. Like, no, nigga, that's well, water. Just, that's not, it's black, not warm ice. You think I want my ice cold just because I'm black? <laughs> right, oh. right, right, right. Yeah, they, they, they try to bougie-fy everything. All black people don't use cold ice, okay? Right. I like my ice warm. Oh, they, they're telling they, you how they, they distinct from other black people, don't they? 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it really just boils down to they just want to let white folks know we're not like those niggers over there. That's what it's all about. You know, you, they say they live in L.A. They want to make sure you know they don't live in South Central. They live in Ladera Heights or Baldwin, right. Baldwin Hills. But, they, but no, they'll no, tell no. everybody they're from L.A., though. No, no, no. They don't even be in Ladera Heights and Baldwin Hills. That That's too many black people over there for them. Yeah, that's got, true. Yeah. <laughs> they got to live in West L.A. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They live in West L.A. Yeah. Santa Monica. Or some shit. Or the funniest thing is when they move to places like Santa Monica and be surprised at the racism. Like every, oh, yeah, yeah. Every nigga in L.A. know Santa Monica is notoriously racist. Like, or even Orange County. My friend told me that. They moved to Orange County. They were surprised how racist it was. I was like, yeah, there's no black people. There. What are you talking about? But it's like they're notoriously racist. It's not like it's a thing They've we don't always hear been about. racist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been racist. You and, just thought and you they were don't hide it. Negro. They're not no. the racists that hide it. Is you know no. what I mean? Like there are some places in LA you can go, like Culver City. They might hide it a little bit, but they're not hiding shit in Orange County. Nowhere. No, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen that during the riots. <laughs> shit, they have they have the KKK rallies still to this day. Yeah, I was pointing out these bullshit, um, you know, reasons that people give and how they don't um, hold up. And then this girl responded to me and she's like, please stop acting like you straight black men give a fuck about gay black men being murdered. The only reason y'all mention Ed Buck is to distract from y'all's own bigotry and violence toward black LGBTQ people. We focus more on black men uh, because we're more likely to be harmed by black men than white men. So not even to prove me wrong, could she even like at least Mark Lamont Hill like pretends I'm like you know but like like you said maybe this is better like she's just not even uh trying to not be a hypocrite she just came right in and was like um no we're still gonna talk about black men more you know she gave all the same reasons that I just pointed out were uh bullshit because this is the thing she doesn't feel the need to have to switch up there's no need for her her base hates black men, straight black men in particular. First of all, notice how she lumped you in with some niggas that, you, that you're nothing like. Yeah. You're just a straight black man, so you must be harming. You don't actually care about gay black men. You can't have any gay black men in your life that you care about. It's not possible. You know what she did to you, T? What about chicago you? That's what white people <laughs> yeah. do. That's exactly what that was. <laughs> what, well, what about Chicago? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, I've never been to Chicago. We were talking about police brutality. Well, what about Chicago? What about Detroit? I, I don't know. Pistons playing tonight or something? The Lions? I don't know what's going on with Detroit. So yeah, that's exactly what she did. She what? She what about? She but what do they call it? What aboutism? Yeah, yeah. That's what she did. <laughs> that's what she did. That's that deflection shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's that's kind of like their way of trying to get you know move you away from the conversation of their hypocrisy. Is they have to deflect. It's like they throw sand in your eye and run away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like the karate movies, right. sand in your eye. <laughs> you just take off. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I don't know if I ever told this story on air. I think I did, but it, uh, in the kung fu days, uh, when uh, the kung fu was really big in the black community, uh, one time some friends of mine got attacked by a ninja in the Bronx. Some what? dude, some dude hopped out what in the Bronx um, from from behind a tree, dressed as a ninja, <laughs> and then he threw <laughs> a throwing star at my friends, and they ran off. Like dude was dressed. This is the eighties. Just dressed like head to toe. This nigga thought he was Bruce Leroy. <laughs> yeah, was he like he dressed like a ninja too? No, he was dressed up like a total ninja, head to toe. He popped up from behind a tree, 
he threw a, a Chinese star, a Japanese star at uh, at my friends, and he, he didn't know what he was doing. So it just like fell flat against them and just dropped to the floor. It didn't hurt them, and then he just peeled off. Like he just ran out. Down the street. I mean, the I mean, if a nigga hop behind from behind a tree and throw some shit at you, ain't really much else left to do but run. If yeah, you ain't got no gun like on that. you, you just gotta oh, go. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. The ninja ran off. Like he threw. Wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Funny. Yeah, he threw it. It fell flat against him. He just ran off. He didn't say oh, anything. He wasn't trying to. Off. <laughs> That's some fucking so, crazy shit. They were still trying to process it. Like, what the fuck just happened? Like, like you know, something so out of pocket. Oh you don't even know how to react. God. Like you. Oh so God. they didn't even do to chase him because we're like, what the fuck? Did that, did that just happen? Yeah, you just <laughs> let him go. Just let him go. If he take off, then you good. Just yeah. And, and, and you never know. You might chase him around the corner. There's like 50 ninjas. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> like 50 Bronx ninjas just waiting for you. They got nunchucks exactly. and all types of shit. This is like a grown man, like an adult. <laughs> it's hard to say because, you know, like, I mean, he was either like a tall teenager or a grown man or something. Like, Somebody he wasn't a kid. was too old to think that they a ninja. Yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't Halloween and he wasn't like an he adolescent. Was black? Um, I mean, it's the South Bronx, so he might have been like a uh, tan Puerto Rican. I'm like, which is blackish, I guess. But I mean, like, oh, okay. he had a mask on, so you don't know. But oh, I mean, he, okay. did, he didn't seem to be white. Wow. How do you just hop from behind a tree and just throw in? But like, and why would you do that in the Bronx? Like, I, I'm so confused. <laughs> I am I mean, like, like, like in the hood back then, like, you know, uh, the martial, that was when the peak of the martial arts craze. And, you know, um, that was not around the time that Last Dragon came out. So I guess maybe, you know, just got carried away. I guess that. <laughs> that um, Bruce Leroy thing just went to his head. It was just Nobody funny. Nobody should ever have your grown ass. That's like saying... Where would you even buy a ninja peak... suit at? But think about it. That's like saying it's peak Marvel time and this nigga just hop out to get Captain America or something. Start cosplaying. <laughs> right. People do that, man. Fuck around. Uh, they have people showing up to protest now dressed as Batman and stuff. They show them on Twitter all the time. Oh my uh, God. It wasn't just Last Dragon. Uh, in New York on Saturdays at 3 o'clock, they used to have a Shaw Brothers double feature. And everybody used to pick somebody's house to go to and watch, like, you know, uh, Pole Fighter, Five Deadly Venoms, uh, you know, 36 Diagram, Pole Fighter, all that stuff. So it was just in the air. Like, the streets would be empty at Saturday at 3 just because everybody yeah. was inside watching. But then everyone would come out and just start trying to kick each other after the movie was <laughs> over. <laughs> They but, all just uh, come out at the same time. Yeah, just talk about the same time. Just start kicking each other in the middle of the street. And then people's parents start yelling at them like, what are you doing? It's uh, funny because when I was a kid, we used to watch um, Three Ninjas. And I hope y'all remember that movie. But it was like these three brothers, these little kids. And oh, just, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think I it's that. like Steven Seagal and Mr. the guy who plays Mr. Miyagi is in it. He's their grandfather. And anyway, I, we, we watched this movie like a hundred times. I think we watched part one and two. We would literally be drop kicking off of the couch. Like we would oh, yeah. climb onto the couch and then do a drop kick, kicking teddy bears and shit across the room. Oh, that and wrestling, man. Oh my God. So oh many people God. probably oh, got injured. Wrestling. wrestling, we usually played on the bed because you can like jump down and shit, you know, and drop on people. Uh, Kenny was asking where, Kenny was asking where you would get that stuff. I don't know why this was the case, but for some reason... I guess because it's trendy and you got to uh, sell what sells or what's in demand. The Army-Navy stores is ready to have all this stuff. And it's kind oh. of funny because there's nothing 
Army Navy about a ninja outfit. Yeah, Kung Fu but, ninjas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you went to the Army Navy store, they would have um nunchucks. Because we used to all buy nunchucks and different stuff. And looking back, these things were probably not official at all. It's probably just some somebody just making them and stuff. Like, you know. So we used to get like nunchucks, throwing stars, all this stuff. And then you bring it to school, then get it confiscated, then you wouldn't get it back and all this stuff. But uh so <laughs> you probably got it from the Army Navy store. Yeah, people used to bring their weapons to school. We used to do dumb stuff like we used to have this. It wasn't like real gang stuff because we were kids and New York didn't really have a real gang culture at the time. But like people would do like these weird rumbles when I was growing up where they would pick a they would pick a school and we'd be like, okay, PS 27, there's going to be something. And then <laughs> you'd, everybody would go down with the crew and, and you would just bring fighting. dumb shit. Yeah, like, they did that out here. Yeah, and then people would just like you wouldn't know why you were fighting somebody. You would just go and just start. You just go with your friends and go. Okay, that guy looks punchable, and you would just try to punch him. <laughs> I was just watching a video on YouTube. I was going to ask Vita about this um, Parkview High School right there on Crenshaw and Slauson. Uh-huh. And there was a dude. He has this YouTube channel. Name is Xavier Men's channel. is so funny, and he talks about how random times like gang members would show up to the school and just start just checking people just out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, just 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 running up on people, tripping. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And just me- and messing with the kids. Man, you in the set. You in the set, man. What's going on? Where you from? You in the set. I'm like, but they go to school here. Like, where are you supposed to be? Parkview must be a charter school. Or yeah, it is. School. It's, yeah, it's okay. right there. Yeah, it is. It's like okay, right I around the corner I, from the Louisiana Fried Chicken over there. I think I might know where it is. I'm trying to think. Because I feel like I've seen it or I've driven past it. They all wear, they got to wear uniforms? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't remember. Oh, okay, but. yeah. This kid, he's only like 20, so he's probably... That high school probably didn't exist when you was in high school. Oh, definitely not. We didn't have charter schools like that when I was coming up. The only charter schools we had were like University High and Palisades. And you got bust out to those. Yeah, so he's talking about how the Rolling 60s would just be at the school. They, they knew when school was starting, like, I mean, school starts next month. <laughs> when school's starting, they know kids got new stuff. And they just, who in the set? Like, they go to school here, bro. Like, he just like giving people like, ideas like how to evade it, how to avoid it. He was mm-hmm. like, man, if they start asking you if you bang, he's like, nah, bro, I don't bang. Just be cool. He said, because if you kind of be aggressive, like, man, I don't do none of that, they're going to press you. You know what That's I'm saying? Exactly mm-hmm. what they gonna do. That's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to press you. You're not punking out or nothing like that. Are these but young to, guys? In yeah, the these are young people. These, sometimes these I think no like, no, sometimes they, I mean, people used to do shit like that when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, for sure, did shit like that. But I feel like it wasn't that blatant. To pervasive. Right, 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 right. Like I said, he's and only on twenty. Top of so. that, for the most part, they know who bang and who don't. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. like it's a secret. Although, at one time, we and my friends were waiting outside the school. We were waiting in front of the school, waiting for our ride because we were actually gonna go back up to USC to take a. We were in a journalism program, so we were waiting outside the school. And my homeboy, he had on a red T-shirt, and that area is Crips, so. <clears throat> This dude just really walked up to him, got in his face. And this dude looked looked way older than us. He had to be, we were like maybe 15, 16. And this guy was like, had to be like 25. He just like literally walked up on my homeboy and was just like staring, staring him down, mad dogging him hella hard. And was like, where you from? Cause where you from? And my, my homeboy, he was just like, real cool. He was like, I don't bang. I don't do that shit. And And the dude was like, all right. Then he walked off. Yeah, this, <laughs> his, video, his videos are funny because the way he imitate gang members is so fucking funny because that's exactly how they sound. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, they just want to, yep. they just want, they just extra out that day trying to press somebody. They're just pressing people for no reason. 
Like, you know a school kid when you see one. Yeah. And I feel like... The older dudes, though, I felt like they were always cool. Like, they didn't really bother you. They pretty mm-hmm. much were just like, in fact, they would tell people, you a school kid, go back to school. Yeah, go back to school. Yeah, <laughs> these are young dudes. These are young dudes trying to prove a point. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, there's not much else to say about the Ed Buck thing. So I guess we could just put a pin on that and talk more about <laughs> stupid gang fights. <laughs> I don't think there's really much more to say about Ed, Ed Buck. I, I think, the, I think the, the gang fight talk is funnier. It is, man, because it's it's funny when you see it and you ain't involved. You be like, "Oh shit, they about to get on him over there." You can see it happening. You can see it. You can feel it. Definitely. Like, oh, they about it. to get on him over there. Sure enough, you turn your head and turn back around, man. And it took that dude food. It took his shoes. I seen a kid. <laughs> I seen this kid, man. He was an Asian kid. And I guess he thought he was a blood or something like that. And this is in the pre pre gentrified Portland days. And uh, we have this train here called the Max, and the Max will take you from downtown. All the way to Southeast Portland and take you all around Portland. And I guess this kid had just went and bought some Jordans or something at the mall because the Lloyd Center Mall is right in between like Holiday Park, which every like bunch of gang members used to be up in Holiday Park. And then you got to go through Holiday Park to get to the mall. So he made it through the through the park. But then he was waiting on the train and that train just didn't come fast enough. Oh, and dude man. started pressing him and he took the shoes. I'll never forget. He took the shoes and just threw them in the street and just took off running. That's good because at least at least if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna lose your shoes, lose it yeah. to nobody. Just, just lose. You can get some more shoes. Yeah, don't fight. Don't, don't, don't lose your life for no thing. shoes, bro. <laughs> right. There was this dude that used to uh, live in my neighborhood, and he was uh, he was an okay dude. He was a nice dude, but he would just get like mugged a lot. And yeah. and you know he was a cool dude. He went to school and everything. But I'm like, yo. We weren't like boys or anything. And so after a while, I'm like, yo, I don't want to hang out with this dude because this dude's like a walking target. You know what I'm saying? If he was my boy boy, you know, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to hang out with him. And if something happens, we're going to go down together. But this guy was like an acquaintance and he would just keep um, getting robbed. But what's funny about this dude, he would stay in the same place he got robbed. And we're like, why are you always hanging out here? Like, just don't (laughs) hang out in front of this place. What are you doing? You know? So so he, he would get like pressed and like robbed and then he um I saw him one day and I remember uh I think it was uh it was called like the Optimo. That was, that was the name of the uh store we'd hang out in front of. It was where the kids would hang out and get the comic books and stuff. So then one day me and my my, my friend we saw him and we're like, yo, dude, what are you doing here again? He goes, Yo, I outsmarted him this time, man. Like what? I didn't bring any money with me. <laughs> 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 and then we're like, yo, why don't just not be here? Why don't just carry your money but go someplace where you're safe? And then we found out later, like like we left and everything. We found out later that he got mugged. They took his wallet and then they got like five blocks away and they saw there was no money. And they then they went back, back to the said. place. And of course he didn't move. And then they beat him up for wasting their time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I knew that was. I knew that was gonna happen. I knew they was gonna beat his ass. I knew that was gonna happen. You know, it's funny because I used to. <clears throat> I remember. At, uh, man, college, they would rob the students all the time because USC is in South Central, which I'm sure I've told you guys before. And so some of the students would live in the p- apartments, you know, in the area. <laughs> They're like right on the backside of USC. Right. Well, that's on the, no. not the backside. You're talking about um, on the um, uh, the, uh, the the lady got shot. Yes, but that's that's a different area. I was I'm talking about over in the 20s. I lived in the 20s. Oh, okay. So, but even so, 20s and 30s was over there. So, USC students would live over there. 
And I remember there was a particular house, and there was these Latinos, actually. <laughs> and they used to, one of them went to school with me. But uh, at least the one I recognized, I went to school with me. But they used to just basically live all in the same little, like, raggedy-ass little apartment thing. They would just rob USC students every time they just seen one. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason I knew that was they tried to say some shit to me once. And it wasn't. And one of the dudes recognized me from school. He's like, "Oh no, she cool. She from here. She from here." Because I had on my USC sweater, mm. so people would assume when I had on my USC sweater that I was a transplant or I wasn't from the area. So when I would talk to, so people would try to you know check me on some shit or say some. I had people literally driving down the street trying to say, "This is my neighborhood," <laughs> and mm. I'd be like, "So I would be like, this is my neighborhood." Then one dude was like, "Where'd you go to school?" I said, "I went to Manuel." And they was like, "Oh, okay, she cool." And then they keep going. Like that has happened to me <laughs> a couple crazy. of times. They used to they like to, to me. scare the USC students. Mm. That's like their whole little yeah little thing that used to happen to me in uh buffalo when i went to school in buffalo it's a state school so everyone's from the state but not everybody's from buffalo so the new york city people would get into a lot of uh mess with the um local buffalo people and like a lot of times we would like band together so it wouldn't be bad like you know we'd go places like as a group or whatever but you could um like even if you're from buffalo if you're in the wrong if you're from the wrong part of buffalo you can get in trouble so you know um like people when we went up there because we're from new york city we used to think oh new york city new york city we've seen it all like even if even if you're not into street stuff you've grown up around it so you feel street smart and stuff they went to buffalo and it's like okay these people just really don't care they have nothing going on like (laughs) there's nothing going on for these people like it's nothing to lose like to fuck with you it's it's way different than uh being in the hood in new york like uh people just have absolutely nothing to do in a real gang culture there so for people I like imagine it's like that here but we, we that's like the desert areas like palmdale mm. or, <laughs> like these areas but not, there literally is nothing there but like the desert <laughs> the desert for for people like for people like me who weren't like involved in street stuff it wasn't that big a transition because if you're not like involved in street stuff but you live around street stuff you kind of know how to navigate and not you know yeah uh, get in trouble but you know who had the real trouble with it was people from new york city who were involved in street stuff back home who went to college and were now in a new place and they're thinking oh man like you know i'm from the hood i get involved in hood shit i'm from new york i'm gonna run buffalo and those people <laughs> had a really hard time That's adjusting the worst to like thing to think going to another city. Yeah, yeah, because those people are like, oh, I get respect in the streets back home, so I'm not gonna be a punk here. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm gonna my name's gonna carry some weight here, and those people would get fucked up the most because they wouldn't want to humble themselves or didn't want to. Like, I remember I know there was one dude that um, he used to run around getting into all types of trouble uh, in the Bronx, so. Uh, they tried to press him in Buffalo, and he tried to talk shit. When I give you our money, bam, pistol whipped him. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. Bam. You know? And then he's like, okay, here you go. <laughs> he humbled up like real, real quick. Ain't them, um, ain't what's, what's that rap group name? Ain't they from out there in Buffalo? West, uh, like Griselda. Westside yeah, Griselda. Yeah. But when I lived in Buffalo, they didn't look and talk like them. Like, those guys sound like New York dudes. Like, those yeah. dudes sound like, uh, you know, the group listened to Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. It wasn't like that when I was up there. Uh, like, those guys, I think, have really studied, like, the New York City game. They look like throwbacks to, you know, Raekwon and them. But when I was there, it was, like, Menace to Society. Oh, wow. And, yeah, yeah, like, people there sound and act and talk like they're from the South or the West Coast because everybody there 
the black community there came straight from the Great Migration. And they didn't get, like, you know, really diluted or mixed in with a lot of West Indians or other types of blacks. So it's very um, interesting, like, how Southern West Coast it feels. Because I think the conditions are kind of similar in that, okay, people came here a couple generations ago from the South directly. And they've just formed, like, their own multi-generational community here. And it's urban but suburban at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, there's not high rises or anything. There's just... Um, it's the hood, but it looks like a suburb. So yeah, it was. So when I saw the Griselda dudes, I'm like, wait, these guys are from Buffalo? Like they don't sound like it. They don't. Uh, but Buffalo, but I, I believe them when they say they're into all types of shit. Because uh, Buffalo dudes are hardcore. I will give them credit. Those dudes will. Um, one time, some people were visiting my house in um, where I lived in Buffalo, and some dudes got robbed on my porch. Damn. Their haircut. At the at the hood barbershop, and I guess like they had nice clothes, right? And they left the hood barbershop that we all went to to go to visit um, me and my roommates. I heard like a knock. It was like right, and it's like oh, someone's at the door. It's our friends. And then I heard a more pressed knock like ten seconds later. <laughs> it's like, what, the, like, what the fuck? And then suddenly I heard like somebody's body's getting thrown against the door. So we're like, yo, what the fuck? So. Uh, it's not even a knock. It sounds like somebody's. It sounds like somebody's knocking with another human's whole body. Like somebody just. <laughs> you were knocking on your door with their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then we open the door, and there's like this like Impala, like the '60s Impala, speeding off, and we just got like these people in a heap on our porch. And we're like, "What the fuck happened?" And we're like, yeah, "We just got robbed on your porch." Did like Beetle dude. Bailey? Remember Beetle Bailey? Yeah. <laughs> just roll them up and look like garbage. Like That's a, exactly a, what a it looked like. Beetle, <laughs> yeah, like, like Beetle Bailey. Yeah, yo, you know, one of the crazy thing is, um, we, my friend, my roommate saw the license plate, and we're like, I saw the license plate in the car. Let's drive and find the car. So we drove all around, and Buffalo is like a small place. We drove for like 30, 45 minutes, and we found the car. And we're like, okay, fine, let's call the cops. And and. <laughs> The cops of Buffalo are the most corrupt, oh, um, wow. worst cops you could ever find. So the cops showed up and they're like, what do you want us to do? Wow. So we're like, fuck. And they were like, you know what, man? If we let this happen, we're going to be like punks forever. Right? So we're like, fuck it. We're going to go back to the house and just get our shit back. Right? Um, we're not from here or whatever, but we got to like, you know. So we went to the house. We brought like everybody we knew from New York City and whatever with us. Right? So then... We knock on the house and then this uh, old black man comes to the door and then we're like, yo, look, we don't want the problems. We just want our uh, shit back. And the guy was like, oh, no, you know, they thought like we were coming to like do a whole bunch of uh, mess. We're like, look, we don't want any problems. We just want our uh, shit back. So funny thing was the father was just a, a cool ass dude. The father was just a, a guy that worked hard and whatever. He's like, yo, I don't know what is up with my stupid son. I give him money. <laughs> I give him shit. I raised him better. But he's like a follower. Listen listen to this. None of this stuff was in the house. He had access to his father's car. This guy was like a seven foot tall big glute. Like he looked like what he could have been fuck? like a linebacker or something. Like like the son. You know, like, like he was, um, he could have been something, right? He was like, uh, he brings his son out. And he's like, give these people their stuff. And he's like, uh, I don't have any of it. 
Then the father was like, so wait, you let them use your car, I mean, our, our car, to be the getaway guy. You didn't get to even keep any of this stuff. So he sent the boy to go get the stuff from his friends, right? And we were sitting there and we're like, shit, why have they come back with like 50 people, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, what are we going to do? And the father was nice as hell. He was talking with us and we're like, is this like a setup, you know? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with that kid. He's stupid as hell, whatever. I get mad at him all the time. <laughs> And sure enough, they came back with all with all our stuff. And then after that, like we never had any problems uh, again. But I remember, like my heart was like pumping out my chest. I'm like, <laughs> if they come back with like five cars of people, we're like dead. You know? Wow. That's you know what though. I do respect the fact that y'all went there and got your boy's stuff back. Like, because it me, worked. If, if it didn't work, you would have been calling <laughs> the stupidest people on earth. You'd be like, this yeah, guy guys, if, yeah, if you guys all got jacked and just yeah, robbed and thrown it's only in the cool trunk. when it works. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. That's a good point. Because I didn't like, why the hell did you go over there? <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have went back. You ain't got no weapon. You're dumb as hell. You could have got another <laughs> pair of shoes. <laughs> but I'm glad it ended well because that's lucky as hell. That's super lucky. I remember one time my mom a house got broken into. Turns out it was somebody my brother knew from my mom's neighborhood. Uh, and where my mom lives, she lives in the suburbs, like out in the desert. So it's not like she lives somewhere, um, you know, that's like it's not like she doesn't live in South Central. She doesn't even live in an urban area at all. So every so it's not like everybody knows everybody, but it's not hard to find people. Not hard to figure out who did some shit. Right, and especially not hard to find black people because all the black people did know each other. At least right. all the young black people did. So as soon as my mom, my brother found out my mom's house got broken into and the way it happened, he knew exactly who it was. Yeah. Because he said one of his friends, my brother had like a little studio in the garage. He said one of these guys came into the house and I guess he used the bathroom or whatever and started looking around the house. My brother was like, oh, okay. Um, I forgot what he stole. He stole some dumb shit. But... My mother found out who it was. My, my brother said, told her, you know, where he lived. My mom went over there, knocked on the house. Big, beautiful house. Mom has, like, some good middle-class job. And his mom basically said the same thing. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with my son. I, it, but they had a shoe print and everything. So oh, he had damn. a shoe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yo, exactly. Yo, that reminds, that reminds me of part of my story, right? Uh, r- real quick. When the cops came... The ski mask and everything were still in the back seat of the car. <laughs> and the cops were still like, Well, what do you want us to do? <laughs> we're like, oh, fucker, the ski mask right there. They didn't what even the take the ski mask out of the car. I'm what mad the that fuck? the cops are gonna ask you what do you want them to do? What the fuck is your job? Like, what do you mean what do I want you to do? What is protocol when someone reports to you that their shit got took and here's the people that took it? That's What's the hilarious. protocol? The evidence is there. They could have gave them kids ten to fifteen years in Rikers. But instead, they said, what do you want us to do? They didn't they even didn't need no work. to open or do anything with the car because they weren't going to get a warrant or do any of that stuff. Uh, I forget what you call, not the dashboard, but the back dashboard, like, you know, under the back window, that yeah, part yeah. that you can sit stuff on. Uh, the ski masks were right there, so you didn't even have to um, He's, his son um, is dumb. Open, the, open the door. <laughs> yeah, they left you him holding the, the bag. Yeah, and, and, and that's what he told with them. With the evidence yeah. and the getaway car. Oh, come on. And none of this and none of this stuff. And you you got none of the spoils of it. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was funny because he ended up lecturing the son in front of us, and then we ended up lecturing him. You know, we <laughs> were like <laughs> You big and dummy. Like, You're your dad, your dad even said you a dummy. <laughs> uh. 
your old man say you stupid. Yeah, your own, your like, old man. So, and then the father was like, man, cool. We had a long conversation with him and stuff. I was like, damn, I'm hanging out with this, with this guy's dad. This guy's dad is like real. It's, it's sad when, you know, you the parents be cool as fuck and then the kid just be. Yeah. How did how did you how did you end up here? Why Our, are you the yeah, why yeah. are you the follower though? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he was a single dad. You know, everyone talks about how like bad single moms are and stuff, but I think like any single parent, it's tough, you know, when you have to work all the time and you're not, you know That's true. around. So yeah, I think, you know, it was a single it was a single dad and he's probably just wasn't around, you know, and not because he didn't care, but just because he was busy. You know it's funny because I always think about people who try to use like those studies to make prove points or some survey or whatever to prove some point. Like women, look at how unhappy they are now. They went and got a divorce and they thought they're gonna be happier. Now they're more miserable. Well, yeah. <laughs> they say that. <laughs> yeah, they'll say dumb shit like that. You'd be like, well, probably a little bit harder. Like I would imagine they didn't do it thinking it was gonna be a joyous life after. I don't know what you're talking about, but people really be pulling that kind of shit. Like. Imagine it doesn't really matter if it's male or female. Being a single parent is a challenge, okay. and it's difficult. It doesn't really matter if it's, it's a single mom or a single dad. It's it's really pretty fucking hard to do all the things you have to do, both the providing, the nurturing, the disciplining, all by yourself. I tell people all the time, man, I wouldn't wish being a single parent on my worst enemy. <laughs> Dead ass serious. Because it's, it's hard. It's mentally taxing. And you have to take your kid with you all the time at places that they don't want to be at and you don't want them to be at. You know, like we had to go to school with my dad. Yeah. You didn't want to be sitting up there in night classes with my dad, having to be quiet when you're a kid. <laughs> you know, you want to go play with your friends. You yeah. want to be, you know, at home watching the TV show so when you go to school the next day, you can tell your friends about it. No, I'm sitting up in a stupid ass class or talk to all this professor talks about some shit. I don't even know what they're talking about. You don't about. even know what they're talking about. It don't even matter to you. <laughs> don't even, I'm just sitting in the back of the class drawing pictures and yeah. shit. Yep, I know exactly but what you mean. It, yeah, so, and then, you know, people, I think sometimes people just want are so busy, they want to find a way to attack, because they hate women. They want to find a way to attack them. So they say, single mom, they're the worst people on earth. Look at how they raise their kids. And you're like, first of all, there's no one way of parenting just because you're a single mom. No. Like, there's not like this. You're going to need a little this, bit of assistance, whether it's from your parents or from a friend or sibling. Like, you're going to you're gonna need, you know what I'm saying? You're going to need a little bit of help, man, because... You know, there's certain stages when it comes to kids, like when they're yeah. young, between being born and five, not so bad. It's when they get to like eight, nine, 10, 11 is where you're like, OK, I got I have to go to work, be at home at a certain time because I got to make sure that the homework is done. I got to make sure ain't no other bullshit going on because that's around the time when kids start getting influenced at school. You know what I'm saying? Like the story about the um the 14 year old girl that had some 17 year old boy sneaking in the house. And this boy was putting oh, the ladder yeah. up to the window and killed the dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Story. Like, who yeah. the fuck knows? And they said that he had the same issue from a place they had already been living. It was the same boy, I think. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. what in but the that's, fuck? That's, you know? but, that, but that lets me know. But I don't know that family story. So, it's, I don't, I'm not people who have to assign blame. But I do think it's, it does show that it's more to parenting than just providing. Uh, like, yeah. You need to, and it's, and it's not even just policing, right? It's about the fact that, you know, your child needs to feel like they're getting the love and the attention that they desperately need. Got to shape and the I, environment. And and the fact that you have to be able to do that and be present with your child 
while trying to also make sure that they got food to eat, while making sure that they do their homework, while making sure that, you know, they're not being hurt by other people in their lives, other adults in their lives. You're trying to do all these things, protect them, provide for them. And now you have to make sure that they're feeling loved and nurtured and connected so they can grow to be healthy adults. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like I go, I'll go, I'll go see like, for, for example, and I get it. Like I have three nephews, one's 11, one is three, and the other one is like six months. So I'll go over and visit them. I know for a fact when I get in the house, I already know what's going to happen. It's WrestleMania 3 when I go in there. So when I get there, I know it's going to be high energy. And I sometimes, <laughs> probably being an asshole, but sometimes I'll just look at my brother, look at his girl, and they look burnt. I'm like, damn, man, y'all burnt. So the, burnt, so the kids are just doing some of anything. So doing anything. You guys are burnt the fuck out. You know what I mean? They're trying to balance the duties amongst themselves. You got a three-year-old that's doing a backflip. You got an 11-year-old that's <laughs> doing something. Who knows what he's doing outside somewhere. He has some 16-year-old kid come over to the house talking about they owe him $20. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Then you got the six-month-old. <laughs> he's crawling and running around everywhere. I'm like, God damn. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know? So how do you lot. balance that without flipping out? Everybody, shut the fuck up. Just flipping out, you know? Mm. That's what most parents do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just start screaming. But I think, for me, it's like, then we can't just arbitrarily just say oh being a single mom just makes it a ne- just makes you negative off top right yeah, yeah. and i think that's where i get really like frustrated with certain conversations is they act like single motherhood is is a one size fits all thing like everybody's the same everybody some people are fucked up whether they have a partner in the home or not like it doesn't matter oh yeah you got people who fuck you got people who stay together and fuck their kids up together oh yeah oh yeah so so to me just the arbitrarily just assign um, the sort of idea that being a single mom or single parent in itself makes you a bad parent. Like I don't, I don't understand that shit. I see that shit all the time. Yeah, no, I see, I see it. I know exactly what you're talking about. But I want to give you guys a chance to bring up anything you know on your mind that you just feel like talking oh, about I, before we go. I did want to talk about that article. I don't know if you still want to talk about it or if you wanted to wait. Uh, yeah, I think we can. I think we might as well wait because uh, he wants to come on, so we'll end up okay. double. We'll end up double discussing it and stuff okay uh, also there's a similar article i thought we could have both people on together and you know um you know talk about it see i agree with some stuff on the article and i, and I disagree with some other stuff so i thought it'd be interesting to kind of um you know yeah i i just have and this is the point that I'll, i want to make with them mm-hmm. i i really want to see how they are looking at black class and classism because I don't think the differentiation between poor and non-poor blacks are at all super stark and distinct. Yeah, I because agree. living in and that and that living in South Central, you can kind of see it, right? Like we were talking about Ladera Heights and Watts, but they're both south of the Ten Freeway, right. right? So you sort of have this sort of blend and mix between Watts and Ladera Heights of various people with various types of education, various types of jobs, and yet they're still considered the working poor. So, and with and that's with degrees. My dad had five degrees when we were poor. Yeah. So. yeah when, when the article says something about 85% of people with black people degrees are middle class, I'm like, well, what the fuck do they define as middle class? Right. Yeah, yeah. And also, it doesn't mean like the trappings of middle class. Like, because for example, like, uh, I didn't grow up what you would call like, you know, like poverty level. Like my family was uh, blue collar. You know, yeah, but yeah, but my family, you know, they really wanted to uh, give us like a middle class life. So they would save everything they could and try to, you know, take vacations, um, you know, save money, get a house in the 
suburbs and you know most of the people in the neighborhood were like blue collar to lower middle class whatever and my mom you know she made a good point to me when i was older when she was like you know the whole time you were growing up we kind of fooled ourselves that we actually were middle class but when you actually look at like your net worth and all this stuff that you have to deal with and you know compared to like say the white person that lives in your same neighborhood or whatever you're kind of here by the skin of your teeth you're not yeah. really exactly you're not really middle class like like well, you know, that's, well that's are. why Most i said black people even with middle class jobs are literally a paycheck away from being home absolutely yep. and that's yep. why i said you know when they were the, the guy i listened to a little bit of that interview and i'm like their idea of middle class means or you know middle class to them means poor because they can't do what white people you know what I'm saying? When you know, that's a very good way of looking at that. And I didn't think of it that way, but you're absolutely and right. I, I don't want to, I don't really want to, you know, point. you know, I don't want to um, get people angry, but you know, I, I, I look at it as the middle, the millennial way of thinking. And the reason why I say that is because I can remember being a young person in the eighties or in the early nineties, everybody in your neighborhood was pretty much the same. If you was poor living in the project, well, everybody was poor. If your dad was a welder and your mom worked at the school and y'all was making 50000 a year, which was middle class back in the early 90s. Well, pretty much everybody was like that. But you weren't that far away from the people that lived in the projects. You actually yeah. went exactly. to school with the kids that lived in the projects, honestly. Exactly. And, and, and you live not far from the projects. And no, you, to, you live down the street. You to, yeah, you had to hang out with them sometimes or yeah. avoid them sometimes, depending on if you knew them or not. You know, like, yeah. it, like it wasn't. But one thing I remember was that we were kind of delusional about it like i can't get too mad at the article for having that mistake because when i was younger i kind of made that mistake too like i thought i was middle class so i got older and i realized well no not at all but that's why i said when we were texting back and forth i said well you know a lot of people don't realize that what our grandparents were doing and i don't know where that i think he's from the east coast so i can only speak for out here because our parents migrated from the south so when my grandparents migrated from louisiana texas to the west coast they they migrated here for jobs that was the whole point of the migration coming out here was during World War II. They all yep. were going to get those jobs. With those jobs, they were able to buy homes. With those homes, then my parents come along. But the problem is our parents was the ones that started smoking crack and going to prison. So now when you you had a direct line of wealth or at least pseudo wealth or a little bit of money that you could you know build some things from, from your grandparents, your parents didn't capitalize on that because they were the ones on crack in the 80s. So well, now, well, in no, that directly, be fair though. Be fair though. Be fair though. But they also didn't have jobs. Remember all the jobs that our parents, our grandparents had. They all, all were gone. They, closed. But that's what I'm yeah, saying. They left. The crack yeah. era is what drove this generation back into thinking that they were in poverty. The only thing is, a lot of these black folks that saying this is coming from suburbs. They ain't coming from the hood. You know what I'm saying? So I don't like people speaking for for an, an experience that they didn't experience. What it is is that you don't feel like you measure up to what white folks is able to do because you can't do what they do. You don't want to do what black people is doing. You know, for forever, black people always had a never had a problem working. Black people always work. Black people always earn a living and pass whatever they can down, whether it be a home, your grandparents, you get your grandparents' house or something, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It might not be much, but it was enough. And then you pass down that knowledge, you know, uh, going into the trades is something that black folks always been involved in. I mean, in my family, it's all blue collar. I'm the only one to go to college and graduate. Everybody else was welders, pipe fitters, painters, you know, things like that. Bus drivers. That's what we did because it was able to get us the things that we needed. No, we wasn't able to do what the people on the on the, the southwest side of town was doing. But everybody in my community, we was good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We was all breaking bread together. But that type of mentality and that experience does not exist so much in the black community anymore 
because during that time in the 80s going into the 90s, we shook for the suburbs. Yeah. So when you black growing up in the suburbs, yeah, you think you're in poverty because you can't do what them white folks that's always been there is doing. Well, and also, let's be fair, too, though, because a lot of the suburbs, I'm speaking again from a Californian perspective, or at least Southern California, you know, our sub, like, people moved, quote, unquote, out of the hood and into the suburbs, but they didn't really go to the suburbs. They didn't, they weren't, in L.A., they went, like I was saying before, they went to the desert. They were in Palmdale, and now Palmdale is hood. They went to San Bernardino, and now San Bernardino got gang, right? right? (laughs) Um, So, basically, they just took their poverty with them. And went somewhere else. And went somewhere else because because the thing is nobody was living in the desert, right? So that's why it was cheaper. So you could say, "Oh, I got a house." Yeah, but your house is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like Uncle Elroy on, on on next Friday. I remember that in the yeah. east. I remember that in the east coast too. Like a, a idea that we used to have was this idea because we all grew up in uh, buildings. I grew up in like buildings and high rises and complexes. There was this kind of idea from watching Leave It to Beaver and everything that suburbs was automatic. Uh, improvement suburbs was automatic middle class so when i was in high school and my parents um saved up money and got a chance to uh go to the suburbs they went to the suburbs and we did it because we thought we were supposed to we went there it was boring as hell yeah parents ended up never really liking the suburbs and we didn't really like it but you know we we were supposed to do it and then we went there so we went to the suburbs we're like okay we're middle class now we're going to the suburbs and now there's like you know a lot of different types of people in the school and everything. And, you know, but those were like white blue collar people. They weren't yep. really middle class. Uh, they just even had though, access to those areas when we didn't. Yeah, exactly. But even the white blue collarness is still different than, uh, yeah, b- b- black, black blue collarness. But something that I think is important too is generationally, I think being blue collar in the boomer days was a better standard of living and lifestyle yeah. than being so-called middle class in the modern uh, society. You used to be able to be blue collar, work 35 hours a week, you know, if yep. you include, um, work 35 hours a week if you include like lunch breaks and everything, have a good union job. And yep. with that, be able to get a house, pay it off, get two cars, support three kids and whatever. So I think that's what helped our uh, parents and grandparents too, was that you can get far being... Blue the collar. difference the difference was although our grandparents were blue collar they couldn't pet they couldn't say oh i'm gonna get my son a job when he gets that didn't happen for black folk you know what i'm saying towards with white boys i knew white people that do that, that work for the water bureau their dad is making like 58 bucks an hour as soon as we graduate high school they own boom 25 bucks an hour and this is in well, 1999 but you know when you're a blue right? collar so- right you're, you're our parents and oh. our grandparents and stuff, even if they couldn't get us jobs like the white blue collar kids could, at least they could support a family and right. put you through school and everything. Now you can have a degree, have better education than your parents, um, make more income, and yeah. you can't do a fraction of what they were able to do at your age. Right. That yep. was exactly what I was about to say. Yep. Um, I feel like I watched a lot of my friends that I went to school with that went to college you know, specialized in things, right? So to make them more competitive on the job market. Some of them even got good jobs. And guess where they still live? Guess they still don't own a home. Right. Yep. Guess, you know, like they're still struggling. They're still trying to pay back these loans for this education that they already couldn't really afford, right? So it's how do you, in fact, you're basically always in debt. Um, you're trying to keep your head above water. You, If they do get married, they marry somebody else with debt. They get a house that, honestly, they usually got a shitty deal on or cost too much. So a lot of things we try to, like, I think we try to live that life 
that we, like you said, T, like your parents moved out to the suburbs thinking this is what you guys wanted and this is what would work, but you guys didn't even like it there. And I think a lot of times we try to attain these things because this is what we're told we're supposed to get. And we're not realizing how much we're sinking because we don't actually have any money. Yeah. We don't really have anything. All we have is a damn degree. Yep. Only to, only to get paid less for the job that you didn't need a degree for 10 years ago. And you know, it's, you know, it's funny. One of the reasons why we left where we were living in Queens was that our building was going um, co-op. And to be fair, it was too small for a family anyway. Like, like it wasn't meant, like my sister and I were sharing a room. You know, my parents had a room. We had no space for anything, you know, it was, and we were getting older and everything. But, um, you know, it was going co-op. So that was like the final push. We're like, okay, we might as well just uh, bite the bullet and go to the suburbs. And everybody said, oh, you arrived now. You went to the suburbs. You fast forward a couple of decades. Uh, all the white people left. Yep. All the all the people that you want to get away from are now your neighbors, and yep. and um, all the places that you left now have a higher real estate value and standard of living and and everything. So it's like the suburbs uh, lose all their cultural cachet uh, anyway. Like all the uh, people you were moving to supposedly be around, you know, to show that you improved in life, they all moved to the place that you left. Yep. Exactly. the shit out of that. That's that's Portland like a motherfucker, man. Because I remember when I was young, like you never went. We never went to areas like Lake Oswego and Tigard and all these different areas. Everybody that was black was in North and Northeast Portland. I mean, all the way up until probably 2005. And then all of a sudden you did see some black people that what they would do is move across the river to Vancouver, Washington. You know what I'm saying? A lot of black people moved up there. But then after Why? a while, North and Northeast Portland was white. Yep. Where I live in Clinton Hill slash Bed-Stuy, like I live on the border, right? The black people who do the best have like the best real estate and everything around here. It's not as college educated people and everything. It's who it is, is the people who stuck through the crack era and yep. just yep. never, never left. Those yep. are the people you want to ask, see who owns like the most property, who has like the best deals, whatever, who owns like a building. It's somebody that just never uh, bit the bait and went to the suburbs and and wrote it and wrote it out. Like there's a yeah. lady on the block that I live on. Uh, her family owns the whole building and they'll be sitting in front of this building all the time. And um, people will pass by. A lot of like those uh, Hasidic Jew type people uh, will come by and offer her in cash all the time. Like she she jokes every time she sees like a, a Jewish guy she doesn't know walking toward the. Uh, building she knows exactly what it's going to be they're going to offer her for the house in cash but what's interesting is that in my building there was a um, you know black guy college educated like me and everything and he was talking about that family and he said something interesting he was like i don't know why they don't sell that house man i would sell that house and do whatever and i'm like that's the kind of thinking that you know our parents yep. and, you know whatever had like yep. they've been doing everything right who are we to judge what they've been doing they're smart yeah. they're keeping that thing and they're gonna pass it on to like future generations they refuse yeah. to sell the things yep 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 that's too bad that we don't i got lucky in my family we still own my grandparents house we've owned that house since 1959 or something like that so we got lucky but i watched that whole neighborhood change from gangs everywhere people smoking crack all kind of crazy stuff going on to now there's no black people there. Even the white kids that I grew up with, the few white kids. I have this friend named Spencer, the only white kid in the, on the block, him and his three brothers and his sister. Even their family is like, what the fuck is going on over here? 
know what I'm saying? They're not even used to it. So it's it's interesting, man, because I've heard horror stories about people losing their houses, not even really losing it. They pretty much gave it away. I mean, gave the money away, went to Vegas, gambled. Now they're living in like a, an, uh, what do they call it? Um, low-income housing now. I'm like, damn, you sold your grandparents' home, big-ass house. Now you're in low-income housing in an apartment somewhere because you gambled the money off. Yep. Or they, um, you know... Sell in a hot neighborhood, you know, yep. too too early because too early. Uh, so, someone someone dangles some money in front of them. But if they yep. waited, it would shoot up even more Absolutely. to go move some place like Atlanta or something in Virginia where, OK, you got a bigger place, but it's not going to shoot up an appreciation. No, the way, no, because that's the what way. everybody thinks. Oh, man, you move to Texas, you can get, you know, such and such square feet for this much money. But the, the, the real estate in those areas in Texas and Georgia ain't never going to be like. Bay Area or Portland, L.A. It ain't gonna never be like that. But you know what? Also, there's another part of this conversation that has to be included. A lot of people who did hold on to their properties have had it taken away by the government. Mm-hmm. For, and they call it eminent domain. Eminent domain. Yeah, a lot of people had went through that. I, um, my family went I was, through that. A lot of a lot of black families yeah. to build most of these freeways. Yep. I was watching the documentary for. Um, uh, the building of Penn, of Penn, of Penn, the Pennsylvania Railroad, the Penn Station yeah. in New York. Um, I guess they started building it like what 1919 or 1920, something like that. And even then, there was an area it was full of you know black people and I guess poor white people, and they just took everybody's st- shit. Essentially, yep. they just bought up everybody's shit at a really low cost. Um, and kicked everybody out. That's what and they. That's what they did to black people it. here in Portland. My grandparents and great grandparents um, owned a lot of property here in Portland. They built the Fremont Bridge, eminent domain. And they could just take your shit. And notice that they don't do those things in every neighborhood, right? Like the 110 freeway literally stops in Pasadena. Like it stops. It's they, they, the Pasadena said, we don't want that shit. And they stopped it. <laughs> it's not there. Cuts right through the black community, right. right? In fact, it was a lot of protests about it. But they got their shit took. Um, almost everything is there take a lot of entire black communities or split up black communities or destroy black communities um, just by taking people's land. I was watching a, a food documentary, literally a food documentary. It's on Netflix. It's actually really good. It's about the history of African-American food um, and cuisine or whatever. And in the documentary, one of the episodes, there's a woman who's, you know, she grows a lot of the food on her family's land. And her family owns a big, like a big estate. And they had, you know, her aunts and o- older relatives had their own houses on the estate. Well, the government's taking it away. And they've had, they've lived on this uh, plot of land for a few generations so and they're just taking it it's gone you know what's yeah. crazy is that uh people in the city and stuff in new york and stuff they'll be like oh well no one's gonna put a brand new highway in the middle of uh brooklyn or in the middle of manhattan but they used eminent domain here for shit like the barclays center and for condominiums mm-hmm. and and real estate development so they'll always find something you know what I mean? If it's not a highway, yeah. it'll be a stadium. It'll be um, affordable, so-called affordable housing where, you know, you have to make like six figures to be considered affordable Yeah, and everything. Right. Like, uh, I, I know someone who works as a teacher, supposedly has a profession. She applied for affordable housing um, units in a development and they told her she makes too little. For, for the affordable for the affordable as uh, a teacher yes as a, as a teacher as, as a degreed professional as a public servant yeah a degreed professional they cannot afford <laughs> or don't they don't make enough money to move into 
your affordable housing. Yeah, that term yeah. Is so, so fucking. So they'll eminent, trash. they'll eminent domain, like you know, poor people's houses to put affordable housing that uh, poor can't people afford. can't afford. Well, shit, working class, poor working class, middle class, damn near can't yeah. afford. Like it's it's actually pretty insane how bad it's gotten. Um, as far as getting housing, especially places like I'm sure New York and definitely L.A. They're, I'm watching them now. They're building all these brand new luxury apartments in Inglewood. And you're I'm watching them like, wow, this is crazy. Like these big, giant apartment buildings. And you're just, I, I'm like in shock because we those you just don't. Oh, that's just new. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a whole new place now. It's like you're not even looking at Inglewood. You're not even looking at South Central. You're just looking at this whole new place that's in the middle of completely changing. You're watching it happen. These white folks are moving in here quickly. They're all the, Like you said, T, they're coming in here and they're buying up that shit real quick. And they call black people every day trying to get you to sell your property. Every but that, day. Isn't it, but that's the same that. story of Dodger Stadium. All the all the stadiums. Yeah, that was a that, that was a that was a Central big deal. Park, uh, all the stadiums. They were going to build Farmers Field, and that I think they stopped that one. But they're going to do something else. Um, you know what's crazy about the stadiums is that it goes like both ways. Like when it was time for like white flight, and when the you know black people were moving in, they took um Ebbets, is it Ebbets Field where the Brooklyn Dodgers used to play? Yeah. They they uh um when Brooklyn started getting like you know more spicy, so to speak. Uh, you know, they whole teams and franchises were leaving uh, Brooklyn and everything, and, and they turned the old the old um, Dodger grounds. Stadium into a into a, a yeah a housing project. Yeah, and the Polo Grounds too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another one, right? They um, made them into like housing projects, and that was part of like the whole white flight thing. And mm. and now that things are reversed, now they're tearing down uh, projects and um, poor people's houses to put stadiums back in. So, yeah. so the Dodgers leave, and you know we get a housing project. Then, when white people want to come back, suddenly the Nets arrive, and Barclays arrives, and poor people's housing is torn down again. So it's yeah, it's it's all it's it's all just yeah. like musical chairs. It's it's yeah, all musical it's, chairs for poor exactly people. Exactly, but it's musical chairs. Yeah, definitely musical chairs. Uh, so I'm, when people, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was I was gonna say I'm I'm done. So I was gonna give you guys the final word for anything you had left to say. I was just thinking like. Going just quickly, just going back to the point around understanding what black class looks like or socioeconomic class looks like. I don't think it's I don't think it's so clear cut. We're I think we're so mixed in because at any moment, if I just get a, a, a decent job that pays me, let's say, 70K. OK, I guess that bumps me up to, I guess, middle class as a single person. Right. In L.A. But I could just as easily lose that job. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't it's not like. Um, and even just because I got that one job at that rate doesn't mean the next job will be able to, I'll be able to get that same rate. I think that's the other thing people assume. It's like, oh, if, you, if you're at this rate, you can pretty much stay there. No. That's not necessarily true in LA. Hell no. It ain't true nowhere because you don't own the place where you work <laughs> at. That's fucking stupid. Right. That's a stupid ass logic. But, but that's what I'm saying. So I think when this idea uh, around black class, I don't think we can talk about it. In the just as rich and poor or middle class. If you if you're making seventy grand and so your wife or husband's making seventy grand or whatever, and you guys are working hard, you save your money, and then say you guys decide to go into real estate, you guys decide to open a barber shop or something like that. Because I'm with two those two incomes exactly. That's when if they let you go from the job, you can pretty much balance yourself. But if you just work 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 and then go on your vacations and post on Instagram that y'all chilling. No, bro, because as soon as you guys get fired or the budget is gone or 
you know, and this, the, with the with with the pandemic and the economy, teachers was losing jobs left and right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Highly paid teachers. You know what I mean? Even professors, yep. a lot of professors losing jobs. So if something like that happens, you asked out. There ain't no right. guarantee you getting your job back. I mean, from all the way from grocery store clerks, truck drivers, all kinds of people just lost. I saw a line. I live in White Ass Portland. I go to, I go to this, um, there's a Costco by my house, but there was a, another, like, I, I don't know if it was the Salvation Army or who it was. And you saw all these new cars lined up of people getting food boxes. Because they these people was done. They lost their jobs. They didn't have no money. They waiting for a stimulus check. If we didn't learn anything from the pandemic, we surely learned that, didn't we? <laughs> right. Your job right. could be gone overnight. And there ain't nothing exactly. you could do about it. And these people still ain't got their jobs back. The jobs are probably never coming back because those those jobs have learned how to automize and itemize things to where they don't need. Nike did it. Nike found that they made more money by using online purchases because the stores were closed for months. And they had their biggest windfall for the for a quarter ever. Well, they don't need storefronts no more. You got online. You need a storefront for. So they were going to build another another spot in Arizona. They canceled that. They laid off a bunch of employees. They don't need them. Just buy. You just order stuff online. Make sure the app is running right. You only need two people to do that. Make sure the app is running right. Make sure if people don't get their stuff ordered on time, you can troubleshoot that. But we don't need storefronts no more. That's what Nike is saying. So. Jobs are gone. Uh, last thing I want to say to self-correct, I always get, um, always end up conflating the two. The New York Giants field was the one that uh, became a housing project, and that was the Polo Grounds. I think Kenny, yeah. you mentioned the Polo Grounds. Yeah, it's Polo Grounds. The, yeah. yeah, the Ebbets Field one. It's not officially a project. It's a apartment complex, but it's largely state subsidized. So it's like right, 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 right. It's, right. it's subsidized housing, but it's not officially. A housing a housing project. So it's like section eight? I don't know if it's full full blown section eight because I don't really know the details, but I know probably it's, in, su- it's in, it probably income derived, so you can't make this certain amount of money and live there. If you make over eighty grand, then you can't live there. Yeah, yeah, as far as I understand, it's some kind of subsidization happening, even if it's not full blown uh section eight. But the polo grounds where the New York Giants played in uh Harlem, that one is I believe full blown uh public housing it has if i remember correctly it has a blue sign with the orange letters that is mm-hmm. like a staple of uh you know new york city housing projects like the mob deep uh album cover it, yeah they had that yeah yeah so but but i mean same thing at the end of the day in that it's basically um low-income buildings uh all right guys thanks for uh joining us as usual um also go to youtube.com forward slash champagne sharks check us out over there as well we're gonna start up streaming again regularly but uh and to the co-host thanks for joining us on this sunday could have been in any place else but you chose to be here so it's always cool definitely absolutely yeah man so have a good day everybody all right peace take care bye